Welcome, welcome, welcome to the PNR podcast. I am your host, as always, Michael B. Proud, and I have a very special guest with me. Say hello to the beautiful people out there. Hello, I am Chris, a good friend of Mike Proud, served with him. He's a great guy. And today we're going to talk about something real important, something that a lot of folks, if you ask them the same question, would have a completely different answer from one another. I think um, before we get into it, I'm going to I'm going to have I think I think you and I are going to share at least one on this. But uh, as he said, that's my buddy, Chris. And uh, today we're going to we're going to be doing episode 21. We're we're now at a a Roberto Clemente amount of episodes um, entitled number one in the hood, G. And that is a reference to Aqua Teen Hunger Force. If uh, if you didn't know that out there. Um, as always, we're going to be doing uh, a Rushmore, so that means four, three, two, then one. I'm going to let Chris go first after I get social media stuff out of the way, and then uh, we'll do a mid-roll ad, and you can listen to me talk about Anchor, <laughs> and then uh, I'll do my Rushmore, and uh, yeah, we're also going to, we, uh, we had a hard time compiling these lists, because, um, you know, we're going to be talking about hip-hop today, that's what number one, the hood G is, uh, you know, what that's uh, referencing to, but um, so we have a we have a couple uh, honorable mentions because of that. So we're gonna be doing the honorable mentions, then our Rushmores, as always, in reverse order, and then uh, we'll be signing off. So uh, let's take care of the social media real quick, and then we'll we'll get into Chris's Rushmore, and then we'll do mine. So um, Facebook, Polrel, Pcast, P O L R E L. Second name PCAST, P C A S T. On Twitter, at sign the PNR podcast. And then on Patreon, the space P space ampersand space R space podcast. So that's the social media stuff. I took care of everything else. So, Chris, uh, take it away with your Rushmore. Let's go. All right. So, I'm going to start off with my audible mentions here. Now, I feel like we should specify this as MCs. All right. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, A lot of people are are going to have an issue with with maybe people being left off of a list, but this is MCs, microphone coordinators. So my first honorable mention is going to be somebody from this era. I tried to pick somebody from, from differing eras just because, you know, to have some representation from each time. So this is a modern rapper. I'm going to go with J. Cole. And an album that I'm going to back him up with is Born Sinner from beginning to end. Great album. Every verse on that album I could use as evidence to justify him being on this list for sure. Oh, J. Cole for though for sure. Um, you know, I I wouldn't even put him uh, honorable mention or Rushmore, but I I definitely wouldn't leave him off of like any top ten list or anything like that. Well, that's just because you're coming from a different era than me. <laughs> I bet I'm gonna I'm gonna guess already. Your Mount Rushmore looks a lot different than mine. No, no, I feel like uh, I, I feel like we're gonna have at least one that's the same, at least one. I'd be shocked if we didn't, but I think there's there's one that's like indisputable that has to be on every Rushmore. There's so. a few, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> uh, my next honorable mention that I'm gonna have is. It's probably going to be uh, big. It is going to be not probably big L because oh, I, wow. regardless big L of him having one album, 
it bar for bar is kind of like a pound for pound when people say you know mayweather's the best or this person's the best based on pound for pound for a boxer bar for bar big l deserves to be on a lot of lists unfortunately he didn't get to make a second album True. and i'm still waiting for it <laughs> they had that they had that little studio uh like studio, you know how they take the clips they have of rappers who've passed away and make one more album as a cash grab. Oh yeah, oh, well yeah. they didn't even do it with uh with him. It's uh that's like a problem with uh, a lot of people. Like Mike, Michael Jackson after he died, all of a sudden he had a new album. I mean, they just do that with everybody. It's like they take all these like snippets or recordings or whatever, and they're like, well, yeah, let's make another album with it. I feel like that's kind of garbage though, because it's not like as much as I want to hear that artist again. It's not really artistry at that point because it didn't make the cut on another album. So, but that's what they, you know, that's all these smart guys do to line their pockets. Basically, they're just like, oh, this guy died, so let's do that. But I'm glad, you know, Big L did die and he didn't put out a lot of stuff. But I, I feel like that's, you, you know, I don't want to hear that stuff because it wasn't what Bill Big L even wanted to put out. So. But as much as you, though, it's like I do kind of want to hear it, too, though, because I love the artist enough where it's like, yeah, I do want to hear that stuff. But it's it's, uh, it's such a like a it's such a tough uh, call, really, with something like that. The posthumous stuff. Well, it's like when uh, Dr. Dre recently had a stroke. I hope he's all right. God bless him. He's a good dude. But people will tell me, oh, he has all this music locked away on his computer. And it's like, well, there's a reason he probably didn't try to make money off of that music already because it's probably awful. Or <laughs> at least not to the standard that someone like Dr. Dre sets. Like, don't you think he would have put it out on The Chronic if it was good back then? <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, man. Yeah, that's exactly true. It's just like the, what you said, there's a reason why that stuff's on a computer. It's not going to get released till he dies. And then it's not going to be art, artistic stuff at that point. It's just going to be like, oh, this is all the stuff, you know, that Dr. Dre had. You know, buy our album, basically. That's how that's going to go. It always goes that way. It's a Dr. Dre's uh, Chinese democracy. That's what it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you Guns N' Roses fans out well, there. No, no, no. I got to interject a little bit. That, that took like 20 years to get released, though. <laughs> Hey, that's that next Big L album. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years in the making. Jeez, I feel like Big L died in what, like 2000, though? He was, that was a long time ago already, it feels like. He didn't, uh, he was young. I mean, he, he was a, a freestyle mixtape rapper for a little while. He was on uh, that Brooklyn show they used to have, Stretch and Barbito, where a lot of people went through and did freestyles back then. And Big L was really somebody who, when he stepped on a microphone, it was like he was pushing his way into the middle of the cipher with his words, you know? <laughs> so it was really cool to see him on that. And then he gets his own album because it takes a while for any rapper to get recognition, which I'll get more on that with other people on my list later. But once he finally gets an album, one thing leads to another. And like many rappers before him, you know, somebody got jealous that he was leaving a bad neighborhood and they were still stuck there and they killed him. That's what I thought, I thought. Uh, he, was, he was like one of those type of guys where uh, like a mistaken identity, like uh, like I don't like I said, I don't I don't really know the, the story behind his death, but I thought it was one of those. But I could be wrong. I mean, well, who do you who do you have to be around all the time to be getting shot up by a gang member on mistaken identity? What kind of life are you living? You know? Well, yeah, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I, either way, he's dead, and that's that's just what sucks. It's because 
you know, I don't like I don't like to see talented people go before their time, basically. No, but back then, the people who were good rappers were really coming from a struggle. And that's where their talent came from. And so a lot of times they carried that lifestyle with them, especially once you get money. It's kind of like Aaron Hernandez. He got money and he wasn't really a gangster. But once he got money, he was like, I can be now or act like one. Jeez. That's yeah, that's another guy. That's a pathetic way. Exactly. But um, what you made it, you, what you said is a very good point, though, because uh, Suge Knight said something very similar where it's, um, you know, these guys coming off the street, they're hungry or whatever. So it's like their good stuff is like and, you know, how they how they uh, live their life. You know, it's all fresh. But when they're like 40 years old and they're rich, they don't they don't give a shit anymore. So the rap they make sucks, at least according to Suge. I mean, there's some rappers that, you know, it doesn't regardless of age, they're great. But he makes a very good point, though. The guys that aren't really destined to go like into their 40s or maybe even their 50s making crazy good hip hop. It's like those are the guys. It's like their first two albums are great. And then they suck after. So Suge Knight either fucking kills them or cuts their deal. (laughs) Well, it's you can if you take if you think of rapping as writing, because most of it is written down when it's recorded. Despite what other rap, what rappers will say, 99% of it is written down before it's recorded. I mean, to go back to Edgar Allan Poe, take the pain and the drugs away from that man and his horrible life he had. And do you think he gives you that great art? No, no. <laughs> Similar to these rappers, if they didn't come from a hard situation, you wouldn't have gotten. And that's why you see guys on their third or fourth album. You're like, yeah, I'm done with him. That's enough. Edgar Allan Poe's personal life was such like tragic like just complete shit that i can't even believe like he lived as long as he did and then but like yeah you look at his works it's completely true like if you know all these people that he loved didn't like fucking die of tuberculosis or whatever then he would have had like i don't know bullshit poetry or something so but uh yeah just oh that's a horrible life that he led oh my gosh <laughs> it was terrible it's just everything bad that can happen to you it just happened to him <laughs> like everything weird you can do as a person he did i think he married like his 12 year old cousin or something like that yes um i i i don't condone anything like that he's not know. on my mc list <laughs> that's uh <laughs> good bars every, though <laughs> everybody knows uh how i feel about that because i think i've mentioned that in a couple episodes where i just think Besides maybe racist people like pedophiles are the worst. Actually, pedophiles are worse than them even. Um, but that was like common at his time, as weird as it sounds, though. Like you you'd marry relatives, not like not like uh, sister or brother. But I, I guess it was kind of common among cousins or second cousins because you want to kind of keep your fortune and your farmland and stuff like that within the family. And then um, I guess you did marry young because, uh, you know, it was just like uh, you didn't really have like a, a long life expectancy, but uh, I'm not really making excuses for that, though, because I just find that still to be like disgusting. But yeah, 1800s uh, America and modern day Saudi Arabia <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I give you this cow in exchange for your daughter. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh. Yeah, so I like, guess, like you said, still happening today in some parts of the world. Mm. Um, any more honorable mentions before you get into your Rushmore? No, this, those are the honorable mentions. Big L for the simple bar for bar, pound for pound. He deserves to be mentioned. J. Cole, because I feel like he has to be mentioned 
because a lot of these MCs nowadays are sucker MCs. They are not <laughs> what you pay money to see. When you go see them at a live concert, you want your money back. They are not what they pretend to be in the studio or anything on Instagram, whatever it is. All right. The game I, is I can't now. even disagree with that. It's like uh... J. Cole is doing it in a very in a in a very methodical way, much like Kendrick Lamar. Those are two of the modern guys that are, are really keeping it true to its form, the art. They're making their own beats, they're rapping, they're writing their own raps. It's not a team of people, it's not like pop music. Uh, they deserve to be on the honorable mention list with all the crap that's coming out today. <laughs> Can't even disagree. Cause uh yeah, I know I noticed that a lot too. Uh that just like um these these guys it seems like every guy has little attached to his name now. And then they just go out there and their lyrics are garbage and their beats are kind of hot or whatever. But I, I I don't know with, with hip hop, I need a lot more substance than that. Like you can get away with a few songs with me like that with any artists where it's like, oh, okay, the beat was cool, but you know, the lyrics are garbage, but it seems like every song that they put out and it, even their singles, like you look at the, the, like the discography for some of these guys. And it's like, this is like the worst uh, of your worst. And you're, you know, this is like a chart topper and I don't understand it. Why is six, nine famous? Hashtag, yeah. <laughs> hashtag why is six, nine famous? He's a government. He's a CIA agent who infiltrated the trade nine bloods. And now he's he's brainwashing your kids. I said it here first. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Don't take that to the bank, folks. No, nah, you totally are telling the truth, though. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, where do you, where do these people come from? Think about that. These social media people, where do they come from? I don't know. Like what's that little girl, nine, little, little Tay. Six nine's like a lot of the other guys where it's like, OK, uh, I have a gang influence. So that helps me get like uh you know, it helps me get in the studios and whatnot. And then I get, I, but it's just like, he's not, he's not talented. So I don't understand. I don't understand it. And then like, you see some of the groupies for these guys too. Like these guys look insane. Like half of them, like six, nine, uh, we all know about like his, his crazy, like the face tattoos and the colorful teeth and all. And he has these fucking hot ass chicks, like all over him and stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand how you pulled this off. Even what, you know, being rich and having like music that's on the radio or whatever. It's like, you're still just like a crazy looking human being. So how are you getting these hot chicks? But whatever. <laughs> Money makes the world go round. <laughs> yes, sir. It truly, truly, truly does. But I mean, I don't even know. Nowadays, you just get famous for 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 being famous on the Internet. Jake Paul could be a famous rapper, for God's sake. All he has to do is, you know, you have a number one album just because he beats the shit out of people. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to fight neighbor Robinson. It's like, dude, why don't you fight somebody who like is tough looking? <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> it's like, wow, I'm impressed. You beat up Nate Robinson. You've been UFC training for two years. Good for you. All right. I want to see, uh, I want to see Mike Tyson, uh, even as old as he is. I mean, he, he had a fight like a half, half a year ago. That was impressive. I want to see him go uh, against Paul, but I don't know. I don't think that's going to, ha- I, I think Paul might hang it up. I, I don't, I, th- I mean, he's getting cocky kind of a little bit, but I still think that if somebody like serious, like Mike Tyson or somebody serious like that, is like, I'm going to take you, then I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to call on that right now. We're getting totally off topic, but. Yeah, yeah, it happens but, on the PNR podcast. So. <laughs> but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Floyd Mayweather's going to fight Jake Paul because there's nothing Floyd Mayweather won't do for $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair enough. Yeah. There's not much I wouldn't do for hundred million dollars. So that's Wait, not a diss. That that could sign though, right? Like that's actually something that is happening now too, though, right? I don't know. He fought Conor McGregor after that. I knew for sure he was a solo. No, no, no. I mean, like, uh, I think Paul and Mayweather, like, that got signed. Like, I think really? that's actually, I think so. I'm not positive. Uh, I'll have to check on that later. But, yeah, um, yeah like you said, we are getting crazy off topic, so. <laughs> All right. My first Start with person, number four. <laughs> number four. All right. On my list is going to be uh, Andre 3000, the better half of Outcast, oh. in my opinion. Um, an album or specifically a song and verse that I'm going to use to defend this pick is the song and album Aquemini, which I believe is their second studio album. I'm not exactly sure. It's second or third. That's what made me fall in love with Outcast. not even going to lie. Uh, that song, the way that his, the way that he's able to speak his cadence of words with the beat and the way he frames each bar is especially unique and something that a lot of people can't pull off. And it's a rhyme scheme where you rhyme in the middle of the sentence and the end. And Biggie Smalls does it and Big Daddy Kane does it as well. Big Daddy Kane. (laughs) And it's something that makes rappers, it's that smooth flow sound that makes it feel like, almost like it's like a, a best way to explain it is like a water flowing through the beat. You know, it's like, it's like be water, you know? It just kind of goes together, flows together. And also Andre 3000, every time he spits a verse, it will make you think. And the more mature you get, you will think about it in a different way. It's a truly a deep rapper who thought through everything that he put in his work. And that's why he deserves to be on my Mount Rushmore personally. Do you have um? Do you have the verse offhand? Do you want me to spit it for you? Spit it or say it. I mean, either way. <laughs> I just want to hear the example. He spits it in a way. I mean, my cadence will never be like somebody who's as great as, as, you know, Andre Three Stacks himself. (laughs) But he says, my mind warps and bends, floats the winds, count to 10, meet the twin, Andre Ben, come to the lion's den. Original skin, many men comprehend. I extend myself so you go out and tell a friend. That's just one piece right there. You know, the way that he flows in and out like that, the way he's able to use the cadence of his voice. To, it makes you want to tap your foot with it and nod your head with the way that the beat goes as well. I suggest anybody who hears this goes and listens to that song when you're in a good mood on a sunny day with the windows down. <laughs> You'll feel exactly what I'm explaining right now. I, I totally feel you on that because uh, like I'm an outcast fan. And even when they started having that poppy sound, I still listen to them because I don't know. It was just it was enjoyable music. I mean, it wasn't deep at that point or anything, but I still liked Fox. it. Um but, uh, well, no, no, no. Hear me out. Even when, like I said, even when they had the poppies, it wasn't like great music anymore, but it was still like, it was listenable. And, uh, I mean, you were hearing it everywhere, not just like on hip hop stations, but they were, they were playing that song everywhere. I feel like, um, the, oh, I can't even, the, like the roses song and whatnot, like those, those songs at that, that time. But, um, Whoa. I know that outcast didn't, uh, stay together too long after that. And as good as Andre is, though, like, is, you know, what's his status as far as putting out music, though? Because I really, like I said, I don't really hear from, I certainly don't hear from Big Boy anymore, but I really haven't even heard Andre 3000 in a long time. I think that those two rappers complement each other in a way that it is rare for any two artists in any genre of music 
And I think that them splitting up was the worst thing they ever did. But they just are two different kinds of artists at the same time. While they complement each other, the way that Andre was at the end of his career, where, like you said, it was more pop style music. And that was not the direction that Big Boy wanted to go in at the time. <laughs> and that's why they had that album where it was Speaker Box slash The Love Below, because they couldn't agree. So that's what pretty much caused their split up was they didn't like... Uh... I'm sure well, they like sure, the money and the, the. I'm sure money and other things, and who knows, you know, dealing with somebody for a long period of time is always difficult, no matter who you are. Um, in uh, music, knows? yeah, I can't even disagree with that. Because mm -hmm. uh, it seems like all those all those things, even if um, you know, they don't have some sort of official thing at the end where it's like a split or whatever, they at least usually go on to like some sort sort of solo project, even for a little while, and then be like, okay, I'm ready to be back with the band again. So I, I think that's true. I think, um, yeah, there's just disagreements and egos and all sorts of stuff gets involved. And then, yeah, it causes a split. And that's that's probably what happened with them. Like you said, it was probably just like, you know, the direction was going two different ways as far as the artistry. But then, yeah, there could have been other things involved that just was like, OK, we're definitely dissolving now. But um, it's probably like you said, too, though, that's the worst thing that ever could happen, because like I said, I don't even. I don't really hear from Andre. It's like he put out one solo thing and it's like, I can't even remember anything after that. So, and I certainly haven't heard from big boy. So you actually picked the, the best guy out of outcast though. Cause uh, I wouldn't agree with big boy being the better out of the two. And then you really didn't hear from big boy after, you know, the split. So. I think that some people just have enough money to sit back and relax, but that, that last album, the reason I'm that I'm okay with it, like you said, you're like, yeah, I can, I can deal with it. They went a long time being very underpaid artists, <laughs> very underpaid artists. And that last album, whether it was a money grab or not, they deserved a money grab. They made some very high quality music without getting the paycheck that other rappers were getting for, I believe, their first two or three albums. To see them start to get that money because they were winning awards left and right. The record label was making a, a ton of money. They, I even, cool story about Outkast, that Players Ball, do you know that song? Well, it was intended to be a Christmas song because the record label was forcing them to make a Christmas song. And so they chose to talk about the Players Ball because it is a myth in Atlanta that the Players Ball takes place on Christmas. So they decided to make that song and that song actually set them up. You wouldn't think that a Christmas song would be something that sets up a rapper's career. No, no. usually not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If I'm going to go. All right. My third person now, um, somebody that I think should be on everybody's list. Big Papa himself, the notorious B.I.G. You know, See, I knew we'd agree on one. The black Frank Wright, if you want to say that, whatever you want to call him, you know, uh, he's got a lot of nicknames he set for himself. But the album that I choose to use, I think you could use any album he, he released. Again, another person who I believe had a very short career. And uh, but I'm going to going to have to choose life after death. You like that uh, better than um, the, the first album? Ready yes, to die? I do. I believe life after death has a more edgy street tone to it. And ready to die is has a lot of P. Diddy's fingerprints on it. <laughs> <laughs> it has a, it has a lot of Puff Daddy in it. If you don't want your producer dancing in the background, your videos come to death row. <laughs> I only recently, so in preparation for this, I don't know if I'm allowed to plug something that isn't pluggable here or not, 
What you, do can, you, mean? you can bleep it out after. It's something that I used for a, a source I used for some research of mine. It's a show I watched, so I don't know if I'm allowed to. It doesn't violate like fair use or anything. Uh, okay. Copyrights are tricky, though. I'm not going to lie about that, but I think you're good. All right. I talk about that stuff all the time. So Cool. So something that, that everybody should watch if you're a hip-hop head listening to this, which if you're still listening, you're probably a hip-hop head. <laughs> and it's going to be Hip-Hop Revolution Evolution on Hip-Hop Evolution on Netflix. And it really goes into the background of where these artists came from. And I, that's the first time I ever saw that interaction between Suge Knight at, at the show. I mean, you got to be really ballsy to stand up at Madison Square Garden and basically say, fuck who your people are. <laughs> we're here now and we're winning all these awards and you can't say shit about it. And then Tupac gets out of jail and... Who even is Puff Daddy anymore, in my opinion? I mean, I don't know. Biggie Smalls was carrying the crew at that point. Puffy um, was kind of right place, right time sort of thing going on with him. Yeah, and he has that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant relentless relentlessness to him, too. I'll give Puffy oh, that. True. True. Where he, he took what he had already had, where he made with Biggie, and he made himself even bigger. He wasn't going to go down. No, because oh, uh, he he knew he already kind of had that, that fan base installed, so... He knew at least after that, you know, that late, uh, what was that? Uh, it was like Puff Daddy and the family. I can't remember the name, but. No uh, Way Out. What was it? No Way Out is the name of the album. No Way Out's the one after Biggie died? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, he already had that, that Biggie Junior Mafia sort of fan base already installed. So he knew he could at least sell one album. And um, I don't know what it is about him, but he was able to do well after that, too. I kind of looked at him like. Uh, he was just a biter and it kind of got sickening. Like every fucking single thing that he ever produced was like a sample off somebody else that was like, you know, wildly successful with the song or whatever. So it just, it kind of got sickening for me uh, after a little while. And uh, a buddy of mine, um, cause I, I kind of described that with him. This is a while ago. This is like, we're, we're talking decades ago. I was, I was telling him that I'm like, you know, I'm kind of sick of puffy with all this. He's like, no, Puffy makes songs that the way they were meant to be like the second time. I'm like, oh, get the fuck out of here with that sort of shit. Because when you're sampling like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, you can't fucking say shit like that to me. So that's kind of how I, I feel about uh, Puffy. It is different when you are somebody who is an MC and you're sampling other artists because you're taking us a, a, a sound from a completely different genre and you're you're rapping over it. Whereas where if you're a producer like Puffy, you're taking somebody else's sound and make trying to say it's your sound. There, ha there has to be a problem with that. Like, I think Kiba loses, uh, he uses the uh, David Bowie, let's, uh, or just let's dance, just dance, David, the David Bowie song. Yeah, yeah. And then he uses uh, the message, Grandmaster Flash. That song is already is what it is. I don't know how many rappers use that beat to make another, another fucking song. See, I didn't even mind when Ice Cube did that, though. I was, like, tight with it. I'm like, oh, this is a fucking badass track. But when Puffy does it, I'm like, oh, come on, Puff, man. They even stole <laughs> bars on that song. They use bars from the message on that song. Yeah, because he still includes the don't push me part, right? Yeah, broken glass everywhere. He still uses <laughs> that. It's, like, basically the same song. He just <laughs> makes money off of it the second time. It's all right, I'm sure. Grandmaster Flash got his check. <laughs>
So he got his check and was like, fuck it, do what you want, man. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, make it into a country song. If you're going to 100K, I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, do whatever, man. Yeah, what did you say? It was going to be on Kids Bop? All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, but uh, we're getting off topic again. Back to Biggie. Biggie um, Smalls. Uh, specifically yeah. off of that album, I'm going to have to go with What's Beef? I got a story to tell. 10 crack commandments and kick in the door. I, I'm going to add something to that when uh, I get to my Rushmore, and I can't believe you didn't mention this track, but fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and if I ever commit a violent crime, it will be to somebody's got to die. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> and that's just the true, honest statement. If you heard that song, it was me. All right, everybody. Good thing you don't know my full name. <laughs> like i need the cops coming down my door because some guy's going crazy hey that's all right you know who i am you could just send him this way <laughs> <laughs> all right all right my number two on my list is going to be somebody that you might appreciate because it's a little bit more from your era and i'm not trying to date you there <laughs> but it's uh rock camp oh uh, yeah yeah uh you actually made my honorable mention list. Rakim is the first person. If you go back in rap history and you find somebody else who uses the last syllable of his bar to be to actually be the first syllable of the next bar and be able to use his longer sentences over two sets of four beats, which is something that is completely unique in 1987 when. <laughs> The, you're, you know, that uh, that was the that was the forefront of beats at the time. <laughs> and so for him to be able to take that four count that everybody was working with and turn it into something brand new, uh, specifically paid in full that verse. I, I think I can I think I can spit the whole thing from memory. Thinking of a master plan because ain't nothing record. sweat inside my hand. <laughs> so I dig into my pocket, all my money's spent. So I dig deeper. I'm still coming up with lint. That's just that's just a great, great verse. Uh, Eric B is president, paid in uh, paid in full. I already said sorry. I ain't no joke is one everybody knows. Everybody has heard. I ain't no joke. The way that Rakim's cadences, uh, not his cadence. I'm sorry, but the way that he can take that last syllable of his of his first bar, and it's actually the first syllable of the second four count on a beat, which if everybody, if you don't know, a beat break is four counts. And so that's what a bar is. If you spit over four beats, over four counts of the beat, that's a bar. And usually a rapper will write 16 bars at a time. That's usually how it works. Everybody does yeah. it differently, it's an art. So, but that's like the standard. 16 bars, four counts, a beat, that's a bar. For him to take that last syllable, it's just completely creative for the time. And, and nowadays it's common. You hear it from people like Kanye West. You hear it from Jay-Z. Uh, Jay-Z was huge. Uh, Kanye West has more has almost as many Grammys as Michael Jackson. So where did they get that from? Rock Kent. So he's got to be on my Mount Rushmore because a lot of people now, hey, you sound a little bit like Rock Kent. Here's some money. I actually had a hard time leaving him off mine, like, cause uh, I'll explain, you know, when when it's my turn. But yeah, I I totally feel you on that. That's a good pick for your Rushmore. Um, number one and definitely number one. All right, uh, 
this guy was out for two years before he even had his own album and everybody was going crazy over him uh before and this is this is nas this is the nas nasty nas in the building nasty nas in the area causing mass hysteria and the album i'm going to use i believe is the most complete rap album in the hist in the history of rap in just my opinion again you can ask a hundred people who their mount mount rushmore is and you will get a hundred different answers but i'm gonna have to go with nas and an illmatic oh and yes I'll yes that's his debut nice 10 spot absolutely Ill, uh, illmatic is like uh i mean he had a lot he was a he was a prolific guy like he was putting out a lot of stuff but it seems like he had a studio album every year, but yeah, you definitely gonna go with the debut Illmatic. And before Illmatic came out, he was showing up on other people's songs for years. He was at uh, Live at the Barbecue with the main source. That was the first verse of his that really had people listening. Like, who's this kid? I mean, I think he was 18 years old at that time, 1991, <laughs> when that came out. I was negative five years old. <laughs> That's a long time ago for me. <laughs> Negative five. Like and uh mm-hmm. the cool thing about Omatic is that he he was working with a bunch of different DJs. And when Omatic came out in 1993, it was still very common that you had an MC and a DJ. For if you were a rapper, you had a DJ. Even when Biggie Smalls came out around the, the mid-90s, he had a specific DJ for a while. It's the same deal where you have somebody who's you know, MC DJ BDP was the same deal where you had Scott. I think it was Scott LaRock, right? Yeah, Scott yeah. LaRock was around for only one year though, uh, really? into KRS's career because uh, he got he got murdered um, trying to settle a oh. dispute of all things. So, see, that's a good thing. See, this is why I like talking about this with you, man. I wasn't even around. I don't know about all that, but it's cool <laughs> to know that it back then they were about it. It was when they were rapping about this, that, and the other about somebody's name. Like, hey, I know where your mother lives. Like, they meant it. Like, <laughs> it was nah, really, it's, true, though. it's like, really different yeah. than nowadays when, you know, what is it, Chief Keef and Lil Uzi are beefing? Like, who cares? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't care about any, any like, uh, the big MC. Like, the only guy I like now is like Little Dicky, and uh, I don't even, I, I don't hear him put shit out anymore. So, I, I really don't like anybody that's out there right now. So. But yeah, this- and it, it's like you're saying though, like uh, when these guys had beef back in the day, like it was it was legit, and now it's just like it's it's all bullshit, and it's just to to sell records, and that's garbage. Like I I don't want you know I don't want people to get murdered or anything to make the the beef real, but at the same time, it is just bullshit though, and I I recognize it as that. Uh, another another instance of this in hip hop history, for those who know, is that Gucci Man and Waka Flocka coming at each other for years and then they would throughout this beef that lasted a decade there would be many moments where they would admit out loud in public that it was just for money getting mad at each other on the internet over it and these guys are like yeah it's not even real it's <laughs> <laughs> just complete outrage <laughs> yeah that's it's it's been like that for 10 years it's always been like that it's just like oh this beef is just to sell albums or whatever when this used to be real shit so people will kind of hold their tongue every now and again because they didn't want they didn't want to die or people that they, they cared about to die but now yeah it's just all bullshit to get back into Illmatic uh, New York State of Mind 
number one song that you've got to listen to if you've never heard that album before. And something very impressive about that song is he spit it in one take. One take, which even if it's written down, you can go look at Google it right now and try to say it out loud in one take without slowing down or stopping. And you can't. Looking at it in front of you. It's that, that's crazy. Like I didn't I didn't even know that. And like you you never even hear about stuff like that usually working out that way. So that's pretty incredible that he he spit that one take because sometimes even if they do have a perfect take, they still the producer will still force them to take another take because it's like they want to get different get it a different way, maybe. So that's pretty incredible that he he put that out in one take. Yeah, if I I mean, that's just some incredible talent in general to see if I was sitting in the same room as somebody doing something that impressive. I don't think I'd speak for a few minutes. I would be completely shocked. Uh, another song off of that album that I have to shout out for any stoner folk out there. I mean, we're in Massachusetts. It's legal here. So it's too, <laughs> it's too bad if you're not. <laughs> Is uh, Life's a Bitch. Featuring AZ. AZ's verse at the beginning of that song is a great verse within itself, but he's nowhere near my top 50. No, no. Uh, but it's kind of funny you mentioned it. He got on a lot of tracks uh, in the late 90s, and uh, he was on a lot of good projects, but he never really broke out mainstream. No, he had his own album, but I gave it a shot because it's cool for me being somebody who was born in 96 and growing up to become an adult in the 2020s because i can go back to these albums that came out in 1990s even though i heard them as a kid now i have maturity and life experience i actually understand the the depth of these rhymes and it's just truly impressive how people were able to put words together compared to the crap that we accept now (laughs) (laughs) because uh i kind of have a connection like that to like uh snoop dogg and like guys like that where i was hearing them as a kid and I was just, I was like, oh, I don't really understand what they're saying or whatever, but I go back to them now. I'm like, wow, that's some pretty good stuff. Like Gin and Juice, when I would see that on MTV, I mean, that didn't really, that wasn't really impactful to me until much later when I, you know, going as a teenager, listening to it again, I'm like, oh, this is good shit. So I kind of feel you on that. When I was a kid, Nas was too fast for me. <laughs> I couldn't even get what he was saying. I thought he would, I, people would tell me, oh, Nas is great. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I can't even understand what he's saying. But rap is like coffee. The more you drink it, the more you like it, and the more you get it. Or beer, you know? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> That's a good point, because, like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't appreciate rap enough back. I mean, the guys I were listening to were, like, real soft, like, Run DMC and stuff. Like, that was the rap I liked, like, them and, like, the Beastie Boys and stuff like that back when I was a kid. And I would hear all these other rappers, like I said, like, Snoop Dogg and whatnot. And I'm like, ah. Uh, that sounds kind of cool, but I don't, I really don't get it. And then you listen to it later. I'm like, oh, I mean, I like this in addition to the stuff I was listening to before. So, yeah, it just it it's one of those things where, yeah, you appreciate it more as you get older. And it's like beer. It's like the first time you try beer, you might not like it. But the more beer you drink, you'd be like, wow, this is pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's just really cool to be able to go back and. These are these are brand new songs to me. Some of these songs that I'm, I'm listing and embarrassingly, as somebody who tries to claim to be a hip hop head, I mean, I've heard them before, but I went so long thinking, oh, that's crap. The new stuff's good. And recently doing my research, it's like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that these people fall off so quickly now. <laughs> 
I feel you on that because, like I said, I don't like any of the new acts. They're they're, they're all busters, man. They they're drunk, but that'll that'll have to be a, a podcast for a different day where maybe we dissect a few of these fools. That it's like, why are you getting fucking number one albums when you know we'll pick out some songs and be like, this shit sucks. So stay tuned for sucker MCs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, before uh, you close your set, do you have anything else to add to uh, Nas being your George Washington? Nas makes my George Washington because it was written is probably also a top five rap album, depending on who you ask, but it was written and Illmatic are a resume that will put Nas on anybody's Mount Rushmore, I believe, but maybe not yours. Okay. We're going to take a quick pause over on this side and then you can listen to me talk about, uh, anchor again. <laughs> all right we're gonna start with my rushmore now um i'm gonna start with uh honorable mentions uh again uh my first honorable mention is snoop dogg and with these honorable mentions i really don't want to get too in depth but um i just like snoop dogg's like his uh his like real initial stuff and then maybe you know a little bit into the late 90s and then um, I don't know. He had a lot of stuff after that, too. He did a lot of good stuff with Pharrell and whatnot, um, like going into the, like the, the next millennium. But yeah, that just that original stuff with like Dr. Dre and Nate Dogg and all those guys that just kind of gives me an honorable mention for him. And then, of course, uh, I have Rakim and of course, Paid in Full. Um, I feel that's like that's actually one of the most important albums in, in hip hop. I think if it if Paid in Full isn't made. Um, hip hop probably just becomes a fad and like dies before it even gets out of the eighties. So just, um, the lyricism and like the producing techniques on that album alone were just revolutionary and like super innovative. And they were like, like I said, this just, that's such an important album. So everything that they did on that album, he and Eric B, uh, are just that, that's super important stuff. And that's why he, he, you know, he gets an honorable mention. Of course, my favorite song though. Uh, is not, you know, it's not even on the Paid in Full album. It's uh, Don't Sweat the Technique, which which was their last uh, album. They only did four albums before. They, uh, you know, they say that things were equal, but uh, I, I tend to disagree with that. I don't think it was amicable. So no. um, they split after four, but yeah, that's my favorite song by far, Don't Sweat the Technique. I don't know, just that's a hot jazz beat, and it's, again, it's Rakim being real cool on the microphone, so. And then my last guy, of course, uh, Nas, and uh, honorable mention, like I said, um, he's just such a prolific dude. Like, you start at Illmatic, and Illmatic was amazing, but then, you know, he had other stuff like Nostradamus and, like, Stillmatic and stuff like that. So, like, he just goes on and on with, the, like, incredible albums. So, and um, that beef he had with Jay-Z, that was pretty uh, unique, too. That, that pushed <laughs> both of those guys pushed each other uh, via that, I feel like. So... Um, I'm going to go on my Rushmore now. And uh, number four is actually uh, the guy we were just talking about, Jay-Z. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny to me that I even like Jay-Z. And uh, I'll, I'll explain why that is. Um, when, you know, he first, uh, he, I guess he'd been a rapper since the 80s, but I guess he started getting noticed in the 90s. So the first strike that Jay-Z has against him, in my opinion, was I didn't even know existed for like three years. So it's like, here's a guy who's putting out albums in 95 and I don't even, I don't even know about the guy. 
And then, you know, he has he has a big hit with um what was a uh Hard Knock Life. And I just I fucking hated that song. I thought it was garbage. So here it here it is on the radio, and I'm not like I'm not feeling it or whatever. So I'm just like, oh, I'm really, you know, I'm not gonna like this Jay-Z guy. And then, you know, Life and Times of Sean Carter comes out and I'm like, okay, I'm officially a fan then because it's like big pimp and dropped and that's what that's what got me in are you are you not feeling it <laughs> I'm, I'm really not feeling it. i mean i Nas is number one on my list so when you bring up jay-z <laughs> i gotta say something where jay-z in the 80s was wearing hawaiian shirts and running around with whatever crew he thought would put him on he's a very smart businessman he's a very smart person and he has that relentlessness relentlessness that I was mentioning that Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and people like Tom Brady have where they just work P Diddy, where they just work, 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 work. And that's why he definitely deserves to be on some people's Rushmore's, <laughs> but I have to, I just have to bring up the fact that he is what some people might call a dick rider. And oh, man. now he's, I'm making controversial comments on the PNR podcast because of it. It's too bad, but <laughs> <laughs> I will say dead president number ones though. Dead presidents two is one of the best five rap songs I ever heard in my life. So I will give you that. Absolutely. He, he is a great rapper. He just disrespected the OG. <laughs> you know? That's all that it is. <laughs> well, like I said, I just um I'm even surprised though that I like Jay Z because it's it and it's like you you knew too that he exactly he's been around since the late '80s, and then he started getting on albums in the '90s, but his first stuff I didn't either I either didn't hear it and then when I did hear it because um you know Volume Two that that's what blew up that was his big album, uh like I said I heard Hard Knock Life I'm like this isn't even like a big deal or whatever. But then I heard Big Pimp and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm liking this guy a little bit. And then it just went from there because it's like the dynasty. I just want to love you. And then the, the two blueprint albums. Excuse me. Oh, I love excuse me, miss. That's just such a like a smooth song. And then oh, the black album for sure. And it, I mean, it just his discography keeps on like climbing from there. And like I said, 13 number ones like that's like Beatles territory right there. Mm. I think that I, as far as solo albums, I think like that's a record. But I, I, you know, I think the only group that's had more number ones is the Beatles. So I definitely had to have him on my Rushmore. Because like I said, he's a guy who earned my respect as a fan. It wasn't just like I heard his first stuff and then, you know, I hung on from there. I was like, this guy, you know, he worked at trying to get me to listen. And of course, that wasn't on purpose. It was just incidentally that way. But, you know, that's the way it happened anyways, though. So that's the best, though. That's how you know somebody's really great at something. Is oh that, yeah, yeah. When they first start, you're like, eh, who's this guy? <laughs> for for me, honestly, I went a long time without thinking Tom Brady was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> what you want to share your Tom Brady story with the people or not? You know, something. All right. <laughs> One time I was a young lad <laughs> and I was with the Boys and Girls Club of Central Mass, and we went to Patriots training camp. I gave Tom Brady my hat. He looked at it and handed it right back to me. <laughs> Not signing it. Because of this, I stopped being a Patriots fan, threw all my Patriots stuff away, 
And I did not like Tom Brady for a long time. But <laughs> once he had that comeback in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, it got to the point where it was just like, I can't hate on him. If I hate on him now, I'm just a hater because his resume is too good. If I hate on him now, I'm nothing but a hater because he just wins, 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 wins. You can't stop him. He's on another team and he's winning now. He's just <laughs> great. There's no way you can hate on someone like that. Same thing with LeBron James. You don't have to think he's the best ever, but if you're hating on him at this point, you're just not watching. Oh, you're, just, uh, you're just not paying attention. I'm not going to root for LeBron. You already know that. <laughs> well, of course not. He's on the Lakers and he's winning titles. And your guys are, I mean, they're playing well recently. <laughs> but once we get healthy, <laughs> who are the Celtics? Come on. But that's another uh, episode. I can't, I can't argue with that. It seems like the, everybody in the West is better than us. Uh, you know, the best teams in the East would get crushed by, like, almost anybody in the West. It sucks. But Go Knicks. <laughs> Knicks are going to be in the playoffs this year. <laughs> Ooh, they're going to play at home, too. It's scary. Yeah. But then again, they get crushed against, like, I don't know, the Denver Nuggets. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you I mean, you throw Miami your Heat. eighth worst team on the West against anybody in the East, and they'd win. That's how good the West is. So. <laughs> All right. We'll get back on topic now. My number three, and I figured this might be a guy who also makes your list, is uh, Eminem. Ooh. You want to know something? I had Eminem on my list this morning. See, I knew it. This morning. <laughs> and I had told my wife, and she was like, I don't give a shit. So I decided to just do it. She didn't really <laughs> talk me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, I mean, I can I can – I'll let you do the talking. He's your guy. But if you if you don't bring up something I bring up or if you don't bring up something I'm thinking of, I'll bring it up. But I mean, Eminem. Eminem is kind of uh, strange to me. And the the respect that um, like, don't get me wrong. I liked him since the beginning, not the infinite album, because I'm really not even familiar with that now, like decades later. But, you know, from like the Slim Shady LP and like, you know, songs like my name is and guilty conscience whatever i just kind of found him as like he was entertaining but like he was also like goofy or whatever and i kind of it's kind of amazing to me though that i didn't respect him so much as a lyricist back then as i did like with his later albums like with uh the marshall mathers lp and like the eminem show and stuff like that like his songs got like better and like you know um they were more to like the heart and like they were edgier and it's like he had totally transformed, but that's all what also made me realize like how good of a rapper he was. Like if he had songs like he did on the slim shady LP or whatever, I'd still be a fan. I'd still listen and stuff like that. Cause like I said, I, I enjoyed those kind of those silly songs or whatever, but at the same time, I never would have known how good a, of an MC he was. And um, I don't know, just over 11 studio albums. Like he's just, he's put out so much good stuff. And um, actually my favorite song by him, though, is not one that even though, like I said, he kind of made a transition uh, on his third album and so forth. Like um, it's actually on a uh, curtain call, which was like, I think his fifth studio album. Uh, Shake that. That's like my favorite song by him. And uh, I usually don't like club bangers aren't usually like my favorite songs by like anybody. I mean, I can like those songs, but they're usually not my favorites, even though it's, that's like a very like club banger type of song. Shake that is by far my favorite like uh, song by Eminem. So. 
is there um is there anything you want to input on that because like you said i might have missed something uh talking about him so uh if i get locked up funk master flex freestyle that he has with dr dre that is something that everybody who hears this should listen to after this and uh dead wrong with biggie smalls oh yes yes that was on um that was on a Biggie album, though, right? That wasn't on a um, an Eminem album. That was like on a Biggie compilation. Yes, that's on a Biggie album, but it's the album that came out after he died. I believe it's called Born Again. I'm not sure. That sounds about right. Or, wasn't there a Ready to Die Again, too? I, I feel like. <laughs> that's inappropriate after he's dead, but yeah, probably. <laughs> but <laughs> but the, the really, really cool thing about Eminem that it just drew me to him as a kid. I mean, I was born in 96. So when Eminem was coming up, I shouldn't have been listening to him. <laughs> That's why I was, though. That's why I was. He was a rebel. Today, he couldn't exist. He, could, he couldn't say the things that he said on the Slim Shady LP. That today he would get canceled. He, they would Twitter would obliterate this guy. He wouldn't even exist. But <laughs> the thing is, is back then, and uh, it's, it's cancel culture now. But conservative white people totally started it back then, trying to censor rap music and trying to censor movies and trying to censor video games from going against Christian morals all the way down to Dungeons and Dragons. And now it's just flipped around on the other side of the spectrum where they're in control of what gets fucking canceled or not. And so now it's all shitty. But whatever. That's a very good point you brought up is exactly Eminem when it lasts in this era because no. exactly area uh, cancel culture would be like oh you can't say that about homosexuals and you can't uh, t- you can't describe murder and you can't say this that and the other and that's exactly oh you can't tell about drugs like he was like even that far back though it was like he still had edgy stuff even on the Slim Shady LP of course like I said it got crazier after that. But yeah, he did have edgy songs even back then, though. And it was like, what you said is completely right, though. Like, cancel culture would have a fucking cow. They lose their mind. My finger, my middle finger won't go down. How do I wave? And this is how I'm supposed to teach kids how to behave. <laughs> you know, like, that's just, I was way too young to be listening to that. My first two CDs I ever owned was Slim Shady LP and Get Rich or Die Trying because I stole it from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, I was like 13 now. I was too young to be listening to this Slim Shady. So yeah, I feel it is. It was just fun though. Like that's the thing is like if one thing that it was art. If one thing that people can understand is is if you feel like you're sensitive to certain things you hear in music or see in movies, think about how people on the other side are sensitive when they see what you want to see in movies and hear in songs. And think about how stupid that is. And just let people express their art and let them express it. And if it's absolutely obscene, well, guess what? That's their thing. And if it absolutely adheres to what you like, well, that's that person's thing. Just let it be what it is. You know? It's like uh, if stuff's hateful. That's uh, that's another game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when it crosses the line for me. But, you know, if it's not hateful, then uh, I go with it. But. Yeah, a you lot of stuff is just the worst thing that... you hear about is selling drugs and shooting someone. It's like, that's what you expect. I don't, it's just people just get standing in their vagina over like fucking nothing. So what are you going to do? <laughs> but um, here's one thing uh, I should like, I, I, I should talk about Slim before I go is um, that thing that he did 
I don't like him for this. This is one thing I don't like um, Eminem for. And like I said, I do like Eminem, though. I'm like, you know, number three on my Rushmore, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. So I do obviously like the guy. At but least there's, respect him. There's, there's one decision that he made that I don't like, so I should word it that way, is um, he, uh, he made some homophobic, uh, homophobic, uh, ah, I can't talk, homophobic comments. And then uh, Dido had that song that he, he kind of borrowed to make Stan. So uh, he's going to perform it live. And he figured, oh, if I, you know, if I do the song with Elton John, then, you know, it might help for healing or whatever. And I'm, that's not I'm not against that. Don't get me wrong. But it's the fact that, you know, Dido was never going to be like a, like a big thing or whatever. Like she wasn't going to have this crazy career. And Elton John already did. And it feels like Eminem already did. Like, I think that was three albums deep and they were all successful. So it's like, why don't you have Dido do the song with you? She, she created that song. You borrowed it. Have her do the song with you if you're going to perform it live. She deserves that much. She should be the one singing, you know, the refrain where it's like, he doesn't call, I wonder why, whatever. Like that, it shouldn't have been Elton John singing that. It should have been Dido. But, um, but like I said, that's the only thing that I can say, you know, that I don't agree with M on. It should have been Dido, not Elton John, but, you know, whatever. He was outwardly homophobic for a while. And that was, that's another thing. When you're divisive, it's another thing. So I, I hear people out on that. But I mean, he, at a certain point, he was specifically doing it because he knew people were, would get upset about it. I agree with that too. It was sort of like, it wasn't even him being homophobic at a point. It was like, I will piss off so many people if I'm homophobic and they'll buy the albums just to fucking steamroll them or throw them on, on a big fire. So, but like I said, I just didn't like how he, I like how where his heart was as far as saying, well, you know, if I do this song with Elton John, then it will, it will, you know, tamper down, you know, all this hatred for me. But at the, the same time, it's just like Dido wasn't going to be like fucking Diana Ross or Cher or Beyonce or like somebody that's had like a big solo career as like a female artist. So it's like he almost, you know, he took away an opportunity for her to at least have a spotlight before, you know, she kind of bowed out. But ah, like I said, though, and, you know, I can only say that in retrospect now, though, because what if Dido had become big? Then what am I going to say? I'm going to say, well, you know, it's good that he did that with Elton John because Dido had a bunch of hits. So well, why are we even talking about Dido? <laughs> what well, could have been the thing that had helped her or him? I'm yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it could have it could have helped Dido's career exactly. Like it, if she maybe did that, it, now she would be like a big deal or whatever, or would have prolonged her career. But she kind of faded out after that. So it's like I said, it's it's really unfortunate, at least in my my eyes. But eh, you you know what? It's just I'm, I, it's easy for me to say that now on the other end of things. So somebody like Eminem at that point in his career can make somebody else's career. Exa- example number one, Fifty Cent. Somebody <laughs> deserves to hit a name drop on this podcast episode, 50 Cent. But- I, I agree with that because um, exactly. He had that sort of D12 thing going and he picked up 50 and said, man, I can make a lot of money off this dude. And yeah, so exactly. He is a he's he's a kingmaker. He's just like Dr. Dre was to him. It's like he he can recognize talent and, you know, he can he can make money off of it. So he knows who to put out there. And that's very true. 
So exactly. What if Dido had, you know, worked closer with them, then, you know, maybe she'd be a big deal, but. Dr. Dre is the Don Corleone of rap. That's that. <laughs> he decides who's big and who's not. And I hope that the stroke that he had does not kill him or set him back because that man is the godfather. He started NWA. He, if you take any rapper, no matter how great they are, how not good they are, and you make Dr. Dre their producer, their music is better. Snoop Dogg, Tupac, uh, Eminem, Ice Cube, 50 Cent. Well, Easy E was nothing after Dr. Dre left. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> once, once you put those, you take 50 Cent from his mixtape come up that he had, where he was really just a mixtape king for a while. Uh, and then he made How to Rob and just dissed every single rapper. And uh, then he got set up with Dr. Dre and Get Rich or Die Trying was one of the biggest rap albums or just albums in general ever made. Period. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, he had a video game, a movie. Every Everything that Dre touches is like that. Like, I remember even having a prelim discussion with you. You were like thinking, you know. I should put Dre on there, but he's more influential as a producer. And that's fair because exactly. We're talking about guys who are like sick on the mic, but Dre's still sick on the mic. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, he I, is. I wouldn't put him on a rush more at least. So yeah. Back when Q was wrong with Lorenzo and the Benzo, I was banging with a gang of instrumentals. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I just know it offhand. That's, that's, that's like I said, that's the Don Corleone right there. Vito. I can feel you on that. <laughs> he he has made his shape rap from for a long time he shaped the course of how a lot of people had to play the play the game. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's just impressive. Yeah, he's like like I said, he's always had his, his finger on everything. He almost did it though, because uh he had that weird incident where he was speeding through the, the streets of Los Angeles and he he's lucky he didn't kill himself doing that, but <laughs> If you're driving 90 on side streets in a Ferrari Testarossa, that could usually end bad for you. Yeah, it's all fun and games until you hit some little kid and then you're like, oh, I'm Dr. Dre. Too, it's too bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people, hey, you know what, though? I think that when you're that rich and famous, that you just lose it at some point. It's not the rich, it's the famous. I, I agree with you. I don't know if everybody has an easy time handling fame. I think maybe if you're born famous, maybe that's the only way. But I think if you like you gain fame, you you still might be able to handle it well. But there might be still something in you that it's just like, oh, I feel a little off because this fame, I'm you know, I'm not used to. It's a weird thing because it's not that's not a natural human condition. That's you know, that's things that's been created over time. But I mean, it's it's never been like a basic function where, you know, that so something like to wrap your head around, like, you know, everybody knows who I am or most people know who I am. That's a weird thing to experience. But like I said, maybe maybe if you're born famous, it's the only way like um, sort of like maybe the royal kids or. uh or kids as celebrities or stuff like that. They're they're born into it, so they don't even realize like uh, their own fame. Basically, they're just like this is this is normal or whatever. Even though they might be famous, like uh, I don't know Jay Z's kids and Tom Cruise's kid and uh, the kids that uh, like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie adopted and like kids like that. It's just like they're they're born into it, so they don't even realize like the the heaviness of the fame. Basically. 
I think it takes a special kind of person to handle fame. It really does because you can't naturally be yourself and be famous because people will just tear you apart with whatever the flaw is about you because nobody's perfect. Oh yeah, because, exactly. There's people that they have nothing better to do but like go on YouTube and like criticize like uh, other people or whatever, and it's just like, <laughs> what's so great about you or whatever? But um, yeah, exactly though. The you know a famous person if they if they can't handle that they're gonna crumble, and then they're like I said, there's even other famous people where just sometimes it gets to them and they they may be able to bristle it off or whatever. But exactly, it just it's sort of like. Kurt Cobain couldn't deal with his own fame. So that was, uh, you know, kind of what contributed to his situation. But uh, I, yeah, I see you wagging that finger. But uh, I, I know, I agree. It's murder. It's murder if that's where you're going with that. But I also. Where's Courtney like- Love right now? Where was she then? I don't care. I already called somebody else something bad or whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> Courtney Love, I'm, don't, don't run into me. I got questions. <laughs> I got questions. <laughs> You hear that, Courtney? He's got questions a, for you. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense. I'm sure you made out like a bandit, but hey, get your money, girl. But I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that contributed to his death, but it just contributed to his state of mind before he died, though. I oh, think for he, sure. It was I think lyrics. like the last few months of his life, he just couldn't handle the pressure of being famous. I think it got to him at that point. Um, it, it's it's kind of like what we talked about towards the beginning of the episode, where. Pain creates the most beautiful art. Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. And some of the best rappers. They come from terrible circumstances. Yeah, DMX was... Because, uh, you know, I learned more about his life uh, after he died. And, yeah, he came from a bad situation. Like, uh, I guess his uh, his parents used to beat him, like, uh, almost to death, basically. So, well, not... His mom was around, and I think she, like, had these dudes that were in the life, though. And, yeah, those were the guys who would work him over, too. So, yeah, I think... Uh, that's uh, that's kind of another thing though. It's like Cobain came from a bad situation. Uh, he had a stomach ailment all his life that uh, drove him to using heavy drugs, and yeah, that's what uh, that's what kind of gave him, you know, that's what gave them the the art though. That you know, living a tough life like that. Listen to grunge music, the music he made. Oh yeah, very, very emotional, very deep. I wish grunge would actually come back. We need it, but uh, no such luck. That's another thing, another music genre that the, it's just not the same now. It's like you got to scream or be weird or I don't know. A lot of you know what, though, a lot of old bands are still kicking around. Yeah, that's yeah. true, but not so much the grunge ones, though. And yeah, the, no. the grunge ones that did, though, they kind of had to reinvent themselves. Like uh, Pearl Jam mm-hmm. is a way different band than when they started in like 92 or whatever. And then. I don't know. You you just name like the grunge band. And they'll have a way different sound because they had to kind of adapt if they wanted to keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. Uh, another thing I'll add, you in your first episode said adding dissident would be a good idea for this ep- for an <laughs> intro to the show. And I want to second that on the show so other people can hear. That is a great idea. I can't show. Oh, yeah? What does Pearl Jam want? The bank? I'm sure they do. Yeah, it's like, it's probably like, it's, it's six figures, I think, to uh, license a big-time song. All right, support the show, folks. We need to get <laughs> this is the anchor, all right? The link is on Spotify, if you got Spotify. <laughs> Download Spotify. That's, you, that way you can listen to every P&R episode and support the show, and we can get an intro song, because Pearl Jam 
is running out of money. All right. <laughs> I mean, they make you think that they are. <laughs> but yeah, they're all stinking rich. No, no question. But yeah, it's not even it might not even be their call, though. It could just be the record label being like, oh, That's... this is we want the money, not Pearl Jam. So huh? I don't know specifically. It go. It's a case to case thing where it's either the label wants it or the band wants it. So so a band like uh, probably like Winger who hasn't been having like radio play since the eighties, they probably, they want the money, but Pearl Jam already has all their money. So it's probably the label at that point that wants, uh, you know, the six figure check from me. So, yeah, I don't even know who that is. So you got, Winger? that's a good point. Yeah. Who's that? Nate, <laughs> drop, drop a there, song right now. Drop a song. What's there, their most popular song? I couldn't even tell you. They're a garbage <laughs> hair band from the eighties. <laughs> Oh, come on. That's no such thing. There's a reason that everybody had their hair like that back then, right? Well, yeah, but I mean that they're so unmemorable that they I <laughs> just barely can, like, you know, pull them from my memory banks to be like, this is, you know, an 80s band who would want money off me because they haven't had a a, a song since then, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that could be another episode, right? Sebastian, <laughs> Sebastian Box on my Mount Rushmore. Really? Oh yeah, he's been in a couple of different hair bands. If we're talking just hair bands, for sure. No, no, I mean I like I like Skid Row, or whatever. I don't know if he'd make my my Rushmore though. Scorpion too. He ended up being a Scorpion at some point in his career. I hate the Scorpions. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, if we're going by individual people in bands, I pick him just because he was in both. I mean that's fair because the Scorpions were successful. I just don't even Rocky like a Hurricane's okay. Everything else is just like whatever. If you count Bon Jovi, he's the worst, the most overrated, <laughs> the most overrated artist ever. <laughs> I I could do you two better. White Snake and Janis Joplin. I don't even know one song by Janis Joplin, but I know her name, so that proves that she's overrated. Yeah, <laughs> because that, I think. Be, be, yeah, because I've heard her name. I like know who that is. Like I've seen video of her at Woodstock, but I couldn't tell you one lyric from any of her songs. That's how you know that she's overrated for sure. White Snake is too. Yeah. We're getting off topic though. I got <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, right. that's my Eminem, that's my Dido story. Eminem. Some people, you know, only see that I'm white, ignoring skill cuz I stand out like a green hat with an orange bill. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I could say about uh Eminem is uh Dr. Dre heard uh, like Infinite or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, I want to sign this guy to a big label deal." He he gets the guy in for a meeting, and his first reaction to Eminem, Eminem is like, "You're white." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, like Dr. Dre totally thought he was gonna have another black rapper signed, and he was blown away when he saw Eminem was white. <laughs> you you can't deny that that hip hop is is born from black culture so it is oh, no no i don't it is I, it is surprising that a, a white person came along to be so talented and to be one of the greats well the oh, thing is though rock music was a black thing too but that's totally white dominated now oh yeah shout out chuck berry yeah exactly chuck berry motown then like that all started it mm-hmm. and then after elvis came on the scene it was like it was all white after that basically like i mean you had black acts here and there like Jimi hendrix and whatnot like Definitely guitarist Rushmore, but yeah, it became like a white dominated industry, really, like uh, after Elvis's presence. So, and that really? was that was another funny thing too, though, about Elvis. It's like 
you know, a lot of white audiences, like, they didn't know that Elvis was, they thought he was black at first before he started making TV appearances. So it was really, it was really weird back then because, you know, back in like the late 50s, it's like every act was black. So they were surprised when Elvis was white. But, well, it all, um, it all comes from jazz music. It all comes from jazz music. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's... Jazz has its roots in all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what took over. My number two rapper is somebody that um, Chris said uh, mentioned, and that's the Notorious B.I.G. Mm. And he only had two albums. The Well, I mean, it's two studio albums that he, well, actually, he wasn't even alive for the second one. I, I think he died a fortnight before its release. So one studio album he did, one posthumous uh, studio album. So two studio albums total. And that should show you alone how good this guy was that I am putting him at number two based off only two albums. And granted, he, he had like compilations and stuff. And um, like Chris and I had talked about, there's a lot of music where it's just like, let's take these cuts that, you know, are locked away on a computer that weren't going to even make an album. Let's try to make a track out of them. And, um, you know, they did that to death on Biggie. Like no nobody... They didn't do that to nobody more than Biggie. Like Tupac didn't have it like that. And Michael Jackson didn't have it like that. A lot of these acts where they died, it's it's just like you didn't see a heavy glut of posthumous music. Puffy owns uh, the masters to that stuff. So he really saturated the the whole market as far as that goes like I don't know how many like uh, posthumous like uh, releases he had but it was it's a crazy amount if you look at his discography but you know just off those two alone and um I think Juicy may be like the best rap song ever and that's uh, off the Ready to Die album that and I love Big Papa like the way that they they made the music with the Isley Brothers samples oh it was oh so good. But Juicy might be, you know, if I do a another one where it's like the best hip hop tracks of all time, Juicy's number one. It's the George Washington. I think that might be like the best rap song ever. And that's why, you know, Biggie gets such like a high rank and such high praise from me because just Juicy is like such a good like you had a lot of guys at that time. The the gangster rap was the prevalent like type of rap back then. Juicy is a gangster rap song because it, you know, it tells like, you know, how he had a tough, tough upbringing and what he did to make that better. And now he's in a better position and just the, the lyrics are just so incredible for that song. Like I'm, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking that's how fucking good that song is. That is like the best song ever juicy, at least in, in, you know, the genre of hip hop and rap and all that, like it's, it's the, it's the top track because it's just, it's not a gangsta, it's not your typical gangsta track from back then where it's like, oh, I fucking sling drugs, I get money, I get bitches, you know, that sort of type of music that everybody was making back then. And granted, there's a lot of those good songs too, but Juicy is just, it's a gangster rap track, but it's told in a different way. It's a different approach and it's a very unique approach. I can't remember too many guys like, going in so early, like talking about their childhood and how it kind of led to them having a criminal life, you know, coming back to that because a, a lot of guys were just living in the present where it's just like, this is, you know, the, 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 sh- the shit I'm doing now. So that's why, 
juicy to me is like because it's it's very deep in that that too it's like um you you listen to and you feel really bad for him at like parts of the track like when he's talking about like how christmas was shitty and how he didn't even have heat in his house so you just you you listen to it and it's just like it's it's good on so many levels like the lyrics and like the depth and the emotion and stuff like that that's why i feel like it's far and away like the best track ever but um i do also like big papa on ready to die too but um if i was going to pick uh two or like three songs off uh life after death i'd go with hypnotize as like third place because it's you know it's kind of almost a little pop feel to it but it's still really well written and it's it's an enjoyable song to listen to and of course 10 crack commandments i'd put at number two because that's a very, very good song. Yeah. But the one, uh, uh, you know, I'm surprised you didn't mention, and um, I, I like it a lot, and I, it's not maybe more, it's maybe not better than Ten Crack Commands, but I feel just like, I don't know, there's something about it where I like it the most, though, is going back to Cali. I'm surprised you didn't mention that when you, you were talking Biggie. Not feeling it? It's all right. It's, I mean, it's a good song, but there's just something, I don't know. Iceberg Slim, the most shady, Frankie Baby. I don't know. There's just something that he has about like what's beef. Like, I don't know. Those other songs are just the ad libs, the way he intros it. It's like really unique. And you hear that echoed in today's music, where at the beginning of the song, somebody says their name, they shout it out. Something that Biggie Smalls, I think he really did was take the new the streets of New York style and really take that big daddy came smooth type of style and like just make it into a baby and it was his style i mean they you got they found him holding a boom box under his arm just battle rapping anybody who wanted it on the corner yeah i heard that uh he used to just he would he would like he'd go up to people and like hey you want to battle and then be like yeah and then he would just like start talking about like how they looked and then he would go from there <laughs> Like it was funny to the, to hear some some people like recalling like his first freestyles because he just like kind of rap about like their outfit and stuff like that, <laughs> which is hilarious because if you've ever seen Notorious B.I.G., that man can rap, but he would have one ugly ass bust on both of our Mount Rushmores. He is not <laughs> a good looking dude, and you know something, I don't, I don't want to disrespect anybody right now, but I'm just gonna speak like we're in a time where. We were there when this happened. If you look at the interview, the music, the last radio interview that Biggie Smalls does in California, he's scared. He is scared that something is going to happen to him before it happens to him. They have footage of it? If you watch, yeah, there's a there is footage of it where you can actually watch it. Like it's a video. It's a I forget the radio station, but I'm sure it's not that difficult to find. He goes to California. Of course, this is when he, he gets killed in California. Yeah, he gets shot out there. Yeah, but before that, I don't know how many nights before, but it was soon before, he does a radio interview where he is saying, I'm just out here, I'm trying to squash the beef, basically. I'm paraphrasing. That's basically what he's saying. But if you look in his eyes, I mean, it, it's truly sad. He was 24 years old, and he is scared. He, him and, and Tupac Shakur did not deserve to, I mean, they were 24-year-old kids. They did not deserve. I don't even think that they killed each other. I think they were victims of circumstances they created. Tupac was that young when he died? Tupac? I don't know how young Tupac was, but I know Biggie was 24. Yeah, I was going to say, Tupac had been around for a while. Like, he started with Digital Underground, so he was already an old man at that point, I feel like. 
He well, was still pretty young when he, he died. Way... He was still. Yo, well, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say like he. I don't want people out there listening who don't really know Tupac to be like, oh, this fifty-year-old guy or something. But no, he was definitely like. I feel like he was like in his late twenties, uh, early thirties at that point, because he'd already been around for a while when he when he got shot. He was twenty-five. He was twenty. Tupac was twenty-five when he died. He, I felt. I felt like he was way older. He was born in seventy-one, and he died in ninety-six. That's wow, twenty-five wow. years, right? Yeah, that that would put him at twenty. I felt yeah. like. When did he start with Digital Underground? It was like a fifteen-year-old kid. Like that's <laughs> crazy. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Somebody who was on my list this morning, who I who I erased, started rapping when he was fourteen. Is Lil Wayne. I just removed him because he's controversial and, and people from older generations won't agree. But honestly, a lot of his songs are people will vouch for the fact people who were there. There's like videos of it. There's many interviews that will say he used to just rap, start rapping off the top of his head and just keep rapping and people would have to stop him. And he was at the top of the at the top of the rap game, whether you liked him or not, for nearly a decade. So a decade. <laughs> A long time from the Carter to, and then he was after that he had Young Money where he put on all of those all of those new artists like Nicki Minaj, which whether you like her or not, she got really popular, and made a lot of money for him, and Drake, who is who himself has now been honestly himself at the top of the rap game for a very long time. I know Drake. I ruined Drake for you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> He totally ruined Drake for me, but uh, I'm semi sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry right. that I ruined something that you liked, but uh, I'm only semi sorry because I I pointed it out and I was correct, and you had to agree with it. He's just whether whatever's <laughs> wrong with him, he has been the most popular rapper for a long time since since his first album came out, where he had that song, "The Best I Ever Had." which I didn't even like that song, but it was it was very popular. And then nowadays, I mean, he's so popular now, like he could he could drop a blank disc and sell it. He's that popular. <laughs> really is. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, whether you like him or not, he's he puts number his numbers. If you're going by just numbers in terms of sales and number ones and things like that, Oh, he's like a top five in uh, yeah. hip hop ever. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I don't know, just like like you said, he could put out a blank disc and people would buy it. Kanye West was like that at one point too. I believe he has almost as many Grammys as the Beatles have, or Michael Jackson, something like that. He has uh, quite a few Grammys. He was because he's a producer as well, so he won Grammys from that. He oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's songs. undeniable. He, like. Uh, He's he had a couple like Life of Pablo and stuff like those are complete shit albums and that's why I didn't even consider them, but like his first two albums were incredible. So, like Kanye at least would be considered if you know he was consistent, but you know some of his later stuff, uh, I'm not feeling it so much. Honestly, that dude just needs help. It's sad, poor guy. <laughs> it really is, poor dude. Yeah, but you know they're already blaming him for the divorce though, and you know. She's had three failed marriages, though. So, yeah, it's Kanye's fault, right? <laughs> yeah, she's she's a model. She's a model wife. You know, you know what they say? You know what they say? Definitely turn a hoe into a housewife. That's the saying, right? No problem. It's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Turning hoe, turn a hoe into a housewife. Well, that's almost as great as getting a Camaro your first day on post. 
<laughs> or marrying a stripper. <laughs> that, it's incredible how frequently that happens. It's incredible. But uh, especially the Camaro thing, like I, I've known a few guys that are like they married strippers and that was a really stupid idea. But the Camaro thing is like that. I see that the most. Everybody got back from deployment when OEF 11 right here. When we got back, everybody bought a fucking Camaro. I was shocked. <laughs> Maybe then, I would have too, though, if I wasn't buying baby furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. I had, though, a son, I, I had I to live... take care of it. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I, I live um, a very short distance out of uh, Westover Air Force Base. And there's so many Camaros and driveways around here. It's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. There's a red one, not even three houses away from me. There's a, and there's one right near my job. They're the same color. I get them confused. They don't even get creative. <laughs> they're insane. all just red and they're all uh, at an extremely high interest rate on the loan. <laughs> yeah. And they all have these wives that they, they got at the strip club. It's insane. It's insane. It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> she was kind of like hunting you down when you went there dude it's <laughs> hey, everybody knows that uh last uh guy my george washington krs1 oh hey RS1. Good? what do you think i mean he's not nas but knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone that is correct you know something I was talking about to my wife today, and she wasn't listening. But this, I was talking to her about how he is the he is the king of of ad libs of of using sounds as words and having those background like like you know what an ad lib is. It's like the background sound to a rhyme. Like nowadays, yeah. these rappers have stupid ass ad libs. They just be like, <laughs> they just be like, yeah, at the end of the at the end of the run. <laughs> da, 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 da. yeah you know like something like that yeah it flows of garbage <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody just wants to be the migos nowadays because they <laughs> did some they did something new and it was popular and that's what everybody wants to be now <laughs> and then but krs1 i mean the way i mean what da 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 what da 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 dang Listen to my nine millimeter go bang. Like that's that's <laughs> something completely unique. Like using sounds as words to make up bar. Like that's really cool. He's an OG. Be, be, before I get into um, you know, songs and albums and like the reason why, uh, I want to tell this story real quick because I don't want to forget it. Uh, I have a buddy, shout out to Lou. Uh, he went to a Karras One concert. And it was uh, it was at the Willing City Festival, which is this festival that uh, the city of New Bedford has every year. I'm sure Chris is familiar with the city, even though, you, you know, you might. Have you ever even been there or I have been to New Bedford because I have oh. jumped off of this like wall cliff, whatever you want to call it. It's more like a wall into the ocean because somebody I knew grew up there. That's the extent. Oh, okay. So I, I at least I, I figured you at least would have been um, familiar with it because. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you always hear her in a news headline for the worst reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really nice place to live. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I have a buddy there, though, and uh, he was part of this organization called Third Eye Open, and um, they would uh, contribute to the festival. So one year, their contribution was actually getting KRS-One to come like perform at the festival. 
So he came down and uh, my buddy like was VIP because, uh, you know, he was with the organization or whatever. Uh, KRS-One was like moving across the stage or whatever. And uh, my buddy just happened to be in the spot that he was moving to. So he took his arm and he pushed him and he said, get out of my way, man. <laughs> so my buddy got pushed by KRS-One. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. If somebody's gonna push me, it better be like somebody that I like, like Harris One. Because if it's uh, if Justin Bieber pushes me, there's gonna be hands. <laughs> and of course, um, you know his bodyguard will beat the shit out of me after. But <laughs> I I respect KRS One too much to push him back. He <laughs> he truly is an OG, you know. Oh he, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way back to the BDP days. Well, that's where, why I'm, you know. My I friend even, even just he took it. He didn't like he didn't get up and be like, hey, what the fuck? Or try to push him back or anything. It just he's just like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that was pretty much his reaction to it. <laughs> to this day, I will not listen to an MC Shan song. If it comes on, I'll skip it. I'll skip it. I should get into that because MC, MC Shan, Shan was uh, important to uh, BDP. Fuck and, MC uh, Shan. Well, I said it here first. <laughs> no, Actually, I didn't. Karis once said it first. I said it <laughs> yeah, 30, 40 years later. Do you think MC Shan was wrong, though? I think that MC Shan didn't do a, a goddamn thing. But if you, the, the origin story of BDP or KRS One, whatever you want to, either one, is that they brought their music to a DJ in New York. I forget the specific name of the DJ, but he's. Molly Mar. There you go. And he to play their music on the radio. And he said, this isn't real hip hop. MC Shan is real hip hop. So and so and other people are real hip hop. This is garbage. So they went back to the studio. And a few days later, they eventually made the bridges over and started the beef. You know, he finally figured out a magic mouth is used for sucking. You know, that's the bar. MC Shan was uh, right, though, I feel like, though. I feel like if, uh, you know, hip-hop didn't migrate from the Bronx over to Queens, it would have died in the Bronx. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, think that, I think that Queensbridge with Mob Deep and Nas, they really brought an edge to that. Because as good as KRS-One is, because he really is good, and you can hear his influence in rappers to this day, the way his voice his cadence of his voice. And I mean, he, as another rapper who he feels like he's, you know, uh, uh, like just pushing his way into the middle of the, of the cypher and just shoving rhymes down your throat. You know, like he's got a loud voice. It, it comes at you. And uh, uh, similar to Buster Rhymes. But Buster like, like I said, I mean, if it doesn't leave South Bronx, it's rap dies there. So MC Shan was right. And now MC Shan's not better. Not even close. I mean, it doesn't doesn't make a, a top probably doesn't make a top hundred list. And then uh you know, I got KRS one as my number one guy, not MC Shan. So but MC what MC his his philosophy was right though. Like, you know, if it if it doesn't go to to Queens, it dies there. It had to migrate from the Bronx. I mean, if you think about it now, I mean New York is from what it used to be, I mean, back then it, it was, it's the mecca of, of hip hop. Yeah. Truly. But nowadays the South runs the game. 
the South wins the game. People from Atlanta New and Louisiana are and Ken the Carolinas are some of the most popular rappers now. So it's really interesting to see that. And I and I think that uh, I, I couldn't know. even imagine that like 10 years ago. I because my mindset was always like it's either going to be West Coast or East Coast. And then by East Coast, I meant Northeast, not like Southern rappers. And by West Coast, I meant strictly California, like from San Francisco down to L.A. Like I never would have gave like a Seattle rapper <laughs> like, you know, so it's it's kind of strange, though. Like you are correct, but it's also weird in the fact that that is the way things are now, though, like where the Southern acts are the most popular. Yeah, we didn't do groups, but Ghetto Boys for Southern rappers, Ghetto Boys. Oh, yeah. An absolute honorable mention. That I forget the name of that album they put out in '95, but uh, the mind, the mind's playing tricks on me. Uh, such good shit. So. <laughs> on the cover of that album is a picture of Bushwick Bill. Oh, he's a crazy maniac. The day he got shot, it's a real picture of him in the hospital on the phone. <laughs> it's a real picture, like he actually got shot that day. <laughs> so that's amazing. I only know that. I mean, my source is the Joe Rogan podcast, so don't. Take it like it. Don't take it like I read it in an encyclopedia or anything, but it was from a story that Willie D himself told on the Joe Rogan podcast. So that's a good source. See the fact that if uh, he died, though, they never would have put that on on the cover. Oh no! <laughs> or maybe they <laughs> would. You know, he lived through that. <laughs> yeah, and I went a long time without knowing that he was a little person. I had no yeah. idea. I had no idea at all. Until yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's like three foot six and he's i think he's missing an eye and bushwick bill's a crazy individual <laughs> uh, but back, to, big, a... back to krs though so mm-hmm. um criminal minded that's uh i got i guess i gotta tell the story um krs one was uh he was kind of like a juvenile delinquent uh back in the day and uh he ended up get, going to this youth center though and uh, he saw that people were rapping there, so he got interested, and that's where he met uh, Scott LaRock, because Scott LaRock was one of the guys that worked at the youth center, and he had all the equipment for the rap and whatever. So Scott LaRock uh, was this DJ, and they got together, and they were going to call it, like, Scott and the the three celebrities or something like that was going to be the original name of the group. I'm glad they squashed that, because that's a stupid name for a group. But what you got to understand about hip hop culture, though, back then, and this is like 1986, I believe, is uh, the DJ was the star. And that was probably true until maybe about like 1990, where it's like, okay, the MCs are really way more important, which they are. But at the at the time when they formed, though, the DJ was the star. That's why they were going to go with, um, you know, Scott and the celebrities or whatever they were going to call themselves. But uh, I don't know who came up with BDP, but they ended up calling themselves Boogie Down Productions. And when you look at after Scott LaRock's death, it was like this KRS-One was the group. And that's why, you know, we didn't want to do groups on on this one, uh, Chris and I. It was just going to be, you know, solo. But if you look at what KRS-One was as far as Boogie Town Productions, he was the group. That's why I don't feel like, you know, I'm going against the rules by including him and making him my number one. So he had a criminal minded back then. And that's what kind of started that, like the, the first like serious rap beef between Bronx where hip hop originated through like uh, block parties 
And then, you know, it crossed over in the Queens and Queens started having rappers. So he did South Bronx and the bridge is over. And those are two amazing tracks. Yes. And then he, his, his best track though, I feel like not just BDP, but solo, like either way you want to look at it is on the next album. And this is why I fell in love with this guy. Cause this is when he be, he started becoming really deep. And that was uh, my philosophy. And I don't, it's, it's kind of hard for me to choose between um, KRS one and Biggie. Cause uh, both are great. Both have awesome flows or whatever. Both uh, have some really deep tracks. There's just something about um, Karis One, though, and what he, how his flow works on a track. And like you mentioned, he ad libs and he takes like the noises and works with it or whatever that, you know, Biggie didn't really do that too much. And I feel like that's why Karis One's better, though, because I feel like he just, he fe- even though the lyrics are both deep and they both have great lyrics, I think he feels it more when he's recording. And that's, you know, that's what I get from Karis One and like every track he's done. And he's done so much work, too. Like, we talked about Nas and how, you know, he had a prolific output or whatever. KRS-One had 16 studio albums, and I don't think he's going to slow down at any time. Like, he's still putting out stuff all the time. I will agree, though, that, you know, his earlier stuff's better. Like, by all means necessary, it's like my philosophy is on there, which I said my favorite track by him. And then I'm still number one, which created a beef with uh, Nelly, way down the road later on because Nelly said he was number one and Karis once said, I, no, no fucking way you are. And then um, he had the song Jimmy on there. And then, you know, he did a couple more with uh, BDP, but then he went solo and he started Return of the Boom Bap, which that, that entire album is awesome, especially Sound of the Police. I love that one. Yes. And then um, Karis one linked up with um, DJ Premier. And he did uh, uh, like an uh, eponymous album, KRS One. And MCs act like they don't know. That might be like yes. a second, because that's such a good song, too. And I just like how he calls out all these like these suckers in the game and whatnot. So, uh, like, yeah, I got to go with KRS One. And it, you know, I think even Chris will agree, though, a lot of these could be coin flips, because I could have easily flipped a coin and cho- chose between like Nas or Jay Z, really, or uh, Jay Z and Eminem. Or even Karis One and uh, and Biggie, but I like I said I just put I put Karis One slightly above him because of you know his mic work is just it's it's on another level basically, but you know we mentioned so many good guys it really could have went any uh, other way I know Chris was working on his list like you know daily like switching it out a little bit and so wasn't I I was just like oh I, you know I want Jay no I want Nas oh maybe I'll put Jay back I don't I don't know what I want to do. The only thing I was sure about was my top two. It was always going to be KRS-One, and it was always going to be Biggie. And I think, you know, as, as good as KRS-One's work is, I think Biggie didn't really have the chance. So, you know, if Biggie did live longer, maybe I'm, I'm going in a different direction. I don't know. Because maybe, you know, Biggie even would have saw what KRS-One's doing. Like, I can do that with the mic. I can do those ad-libs. I can, I can work with the flow like that or whatever. So, you know, because Biggie didn't put out as much, it has to go to KRS-One just by default on that reason alone. But like I said, the flow, too, though, that's just if you don't know, if you haven't heard KRS-One, go, you know, go search him out. Listen to his his stuff, because I feel like all these other guys I mentioned, they're they're really well known. KRS-One, if you're a hip hop head, you know him. But if you're not, then you don't. So I think you should go give him a listen because I hold him in such high regard, clearly. That's something that I for sure discovered in my research 
is that uh, a really good way that I like to put it is uh, from the 60s to, I want to say, the early 2000s, rock and roll was the genre for creative and innovative music. And I believe that uh, from the late 70s to now, hip hop is that. And that's why we even say like, oh, there's so much garbage, but I believe that there's so many sub genres and there are so many artists who have done so many things in ways that are uniquely creative. And even as you brought up Nelly, oh, I'm number one, but his, his way he was able to mix that Southern rap with a little bit of like an, it was like, he was from St. Louis, but it had that little bit of a trap beat with those trap drums, like an Atlanta style sound. You can definitely hear that on his premiere album for sure. What you're saying. And it's, it's and all so many people. I mean, I know people who can spit bars, Bendy the Butcher, Conway the Machine, Montana of 300. Um, I can keep, I can just keep going. There's, there's so many people who can spit, but when it came down to my Mount Rushmore, it was people who influenced the game as well. The people who influenced the game and, and, and just ways that nobody could ever recreate what they did. Nobody will ever be able to pick up a microphone and try to be Biggie Smalls. You're going to get laughed off the stage. You can't pick up a microphone and try to be Nas. You're going to get laughed off the stage. And like, please stop. There was already a Nas. He did it. He perfected it. Um, I think that at the same time, there's other rappers who, like somebody I believe, Jadakiss. Jadakiss is a phenomenal MC. Phenomenal MC. But... People who sound like him get better record deals than them because they're willing to do what the record label says. And that's a big, big problem with hip hop nowadays. But it, it is the common, the common era or whatever you want to call now. Nowadays, it is today's rock and roll. It is there are so many subgenres, and it is the number one genre of music in America right now is hip hop. And it's because of these pioneers that we brought up today people who influence the people that make the stuff that whether you like it or not is number one on the charts and making more money than ever. Yeah. I can't, I can't even disagree with that because yeah, hip hop is the most popular right now. So, um, as you know, we always do a thing at the end of the show for shout outs. Uh, do you have any shout outs that you want to put out there? I would like to shout out my soon to be born son, Charles, Charlie, He'll hear this one day, maybe if the show blows up, which I believe it will someday. Oh, I'm not gonna oh, stop regardless. So he'll he'll hear it some way, one way or another, because awesome. it's not going anywhere. I like to shout out Ladanian Tomlinson. You're the goat. Don't don't listen to what anybody has to say. You're the best that there ever was to run the football between the tackles or outside of them. Barry Sanders. Maybe that's a discussion for a different day, though. <laughs> and that's all. My, a shout out to Mike Proud. Good guy. Support the podcast. Support ALS charities or any charity of your choice, really. Um, go out in public and do something nice for somebody and don't record it. <laughs> that's where they, uh, what is that guy's name? Jahal. I'll have to tell that story one day. But yeah, that seemed like such a setup. But there's a lot of those out there, copycats. So it's like, oh, watch me do this nice thing and then I'll put it on YouTube. Go out so. there, do something nice and don't let anybody know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't do it for likes or anything like that. If it happens to be recorded, fine, but don't don't do it as a production. That's evil. That's my That's advice. Evil the That's the way it is. 
All right, I'm going to give a shout out to the real GOAT, uh, Barry Sanders. And I'm not a Lions fan, so I'm being very subjective. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Ken Dryden, uh, the best goalie of all time. <laughs> Marty Brodeur. No. <laughs> That's the next one. Uh, shout out to Roberto Clemente. Shout out to uh, Roger Clemens. So I'll, those are my two 21s. I, I chose Roberto because he's uh, slightly better than Clemens, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, and just shout out to any rappers that are working hard or any musicians really that are working hard, haven't made it, you know, keep working at it, whether you suck or not, because as long as you're enjoying it, you know, the record deal will either come and it, if, if you suck and it, it isn't, as long as you're enjoying yourself, keep doing it. So, but, um, as Chris and I have pointed out, there's a bunch of sucker MCs who have record deals. So if you suck, you're probably going to get one anyways. So. <laughs> that's just how it goes now what was that guy's name jj icy or something like that ice jj fish Ice JJ Fish. i was uh recommended not to listen to his uh his chart banger so i'm not going to be doing that but uh yep. yeah shout out to anybody like that rock yep. rap djs whatever you make as long as you're enjoying it keep doing it yeah big flip and boogie smacks Oh yeah, I remember you you uh, mentioning Boogie Smacks back to me about a year ago or two. You you told me about him. So. Boogie Smacks, if you listen to this, listen to Boogie Smacks. Yeah, give a uh, Massachusetts rapper, give him a try. So, uh, as Chris said, support an ALS charity, alsa.org, ALS.org, and uh, good night, Ladanian Tomlinson and Malcolm Butler, wherever you are. <laughs>